Wait, are you... <laughs> are you gonna count me in? Whatever. I'm just gonna go for it. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say Queen's rule. But they don't. Queen's lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. And they're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Singleton, the queen of realness, leading conversations about business, life, and the real shit you want to know. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Season 2 of the Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm Amy Singleton and excited to have Kim Lawton with us today. She is the owner and founder of Enthuse Marketing, and they're based in New York City. Welcome, Kim. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to dig in to everything you have going on, especially your foundation and what you're doing for female entrepreneurs. So please just introduce yourself, let the guests know who you are and kind of what you're all about personally. You got it. Um, Kim Lawton, and I am founder and CEO of Enthuse Marketing Group, which is what we call experiential hospitality. And we work with clients from all sizes and shapes that really want to bring their brands to their consumers in a new way. And we do it through the spirit of hospitality. So what that means, because everyone's like, what does that mean? <laughs> it really means that we take brands that might have a distributor or a supplier, like there, there's a brand that is selling a product, but it has to go through a distributor chain to get to the end consumer. So think about right. it, a wine bottle on a shelf in a grocery store or liquor store. There's someone that gets it to the shelf, but then we come in and help get it to the consumer, whether that be trying a sample, education, um, especially important in bars and restaurants because it might go on the shelf, but if a consumer doesn't order it, then it just sits on the shelf and maybe doesn't get um, used in a, in a great cocktail. So yeah. train bartenders, we train general managers how to use our clients' products in their recipes, why they're valuable. We have category education um, industry. So everything's really rooted in getting products to the consumer through the lens of education. So in a yeah. nutshell, we say we teach the world to love your brands. Wow. I love that. And are most of your clients, are, are they, are they alcohol brands or are they, is it all over the, all over the board? One of our biggest clients is, is beverage alcohol. Yes. So it's, it's very important in the wine, beer and spirit space, but we mm -hmm. non-alcoholic beverages are exploding right now in terms of, you know, having the social experience, but not wanting maybe this, the actual, the actual. That's me. That's me. I'm here for a mocktail. I've been sober exactly. five and a half years. So thank you for bringing mocktails to the world because it's becoming yes. more and more prevalent. People and want just that. Creativity. Yeah. You're not only, you don't have to just choose juice anymore. There's so right? much creativity. And if you look at a beverage menu, go into any restaurant, there's a whole listing now of non-alcoholic cocktails. And yeah, so we, we do have a big education program around that. Um, we have non-alcoholic beers, there's NA wines, and then there's a lot of mixers too that we work with. But outside of that space, it's any industry. So we, we do spend a lot of time and a lot of our clients are in that 
um, what I would call CPG space, but like coffee, we work with Nespresso nice. and that's really talking to a same kind of what we call trade marketing, where we'll work with hotels and restaurants to serve the perfect coffee or even an office space of that's a really nice employee perk. If you have great quality coffee yes. in your office yes. and people want people to come to the office. So that's a good, nice perk. And so we teach many of the, the education that we have that is teaching the buyer on why it's important to have these products within their, whether it be their shelf or their office or in, in their space so that they can have it for their guests or their employees. Wow. That's so interesting. And I love it because I think so many people are talking about how disconnected people are today because of things like social media and all that. And on one hand, yes, but I feel like it's created this environment where we're craving that connection. We're craving that experience of a product or a service or a place. And you're bringing that experience to the consumer and to like the client of the consumer as well. So exactly. it's, it's, you, you're kind of wrapped all around it. It's, um, it's very wow. unique and niche in terms of uh, how, but the what is actually so incredible and so important. And to your point, some of our team members just really walk the walk the store aisles. And if you're shopping in the aisle, if you think of it like a Sephora where there's someone every aisle, like, let me help you with that product. Yes. And that's what some of our team members do. And it's that human connection of, I have questions and it really helps our retail partners as well, because they don't have the staff to be walking that aisle, to give that customer support. So when, when yeah. we can come in on behalf of a client, it really helps their brands be front and center because we can represent those brands with a shopper. That is so fascinating to me as a digital marketer. That's, that's not exactly as hands-on and, yeah. you know, unless we're collecting media or meeting with a client, you know, everything happens for us remotely. So, um, how exciting. And I bet you get to travel a bunch. I do. I do. And what's really, I, I feel like very unique for our clients as well is real-time feedback from a buyer, right? From yeah. their customers. Like you're not sending out a survey. You're not using, you know, oh, these, I saw people were clicking on my links. You're actually able to speak to someone and hear how yes. they use the product. Maybe they've never used the product and what intrigued them about the product or the price. Yeah. So that you get to see that right away. Like if someone mm -hmm. sees your, your, you know, if you're like going, okay, there's no sales. Well, you can watch people walking up and down the aisle and go, well, your, your branding is off. Your label doesn't catch the eye or, you know, your bottle doesn't look different enough or whatever that is. You can see it in real time because someone's maybe not willing to, to be so bold on a survey, but you're going to read it all over their face when they see yeah. it and they experience it right then and there. That's so fascinating. Absolutely. And I was just in California and I went to 10 different stores within one day and saw all of that come to, to life. Even with, even with the people that we train and hire and put in the stores, just seeing how they interact with consumers in a different way, right? Because we're all human, we're all different. And seeing how each person approached their work was always unique, but you know, it, it had that same thread of like, this is how I connect with the audiences. And some are very high energy, some are very education forward, some are very like informative. And it's just interesting to see the range of in team members that we have, and they just know how to read the buyer and the, yeah. and 
the environment that they're in too. If, if it's higher energy and they need to be a little bit more loud and boisterous, they, they can do that. Wow. So how did this all start? Like, and, and how long has it been going on? We want to hear the story, the story, the backstory. Um, so is it right out of college? I was always in experiential marketing when experiential marketing wasn't really a thing. It was called event marketing and yeah. we would go to um, sponsorships. So we'd go to a sporting event and be outside at a tailgate. And it was all about trial and um, getting product to a consumer in a way that's like, here's a free sample. And that's really where I started. And it just, as experiential grew, advertising was the the key, right? It was like, everything was about the big ad agency and the big idea. And we were just kind of the execution arm. And it kind of shifted, I would say in the late nineties, early two thousands, where experiential started to like have a bigger seat at that table of where marketing spend was because we were first in front with the consumers. Like we were closest to the customer. And so we were bringing in real true insights of what was happening. And I think brands started to see, wait, that's a bigger investment because it's so it's we're reaching smaller amounts of people versus a big awareness campaign, but I'm getting so much clearer, crisper data that's really actionable. Yes. Yeah. And so it started to shift. And as that was shifting, the, my first boss at the agency I worked for out of college, he wanted to start his own agency. And I was like, well, take me with you. So we started um, together in Spiral Marketing, which is all experiential, all very consumer friendly, very front and center and and doing just that. We'd work with ad, ad agencies would sometimes be our clients to bring their brands to life yeah. in in these environments. And then as that grew, the agency evolved. So that started in 2008. The agency evolved to just creating business solutions, like creative solutions, like to be, to a business challenge, to not just define ourselves as experiential so that we weren't put in that one line. So we, yeah. that agency, which I'm still a partner in, so I do a few <laughs> But that agency is very much about consumer forward. How do we bring brands to life within the consumer realm? And we have clients that range from Illy Coffee. We have um, Nespresso, well, Nespresso's with the Thews, but we have many, many um, CPG companies like American Express. We work on their consumer or their customer marketing teams with their employee engagement. And it is just, Bic razors we work with. And, and it's, it's all about how do we get the product in the hands of the consumer and ensure that there's a interaction and a connection with that brand. Enthuse is more on the B2B side, which is how we define it. And it's really driven by, so eight years of Inspira, fast forward to an opportunity with one of our clients to do more of this education-based marketing. And understanding that it was about not necessarily straight to the consumer, it was to the buyer, which we call the trade and understanding that the buyer had to get our understanding of the product and how we did that was a little bit different from a consumer. He, like try a sample, a buyer yeah. can try a sample, but they still got to get it to their, their end user. So if you're a guest in a restaurant, if our brands aren't on the menu, 
no one's going to order them or a, a yeah. server is not going to promote them. And so it, we would teach like an espresso martini is made this way. And if you use this ingredient, it will taste better. And going through all of those education modules then gets it to the consumer. So that's why we wow. focus on um, at Enthuse with the buyers and the, the actual buyers of the brands. And we just call that trade marketing. Wow. That's so incredible. Um, so do brands have to be at a certain level before they're really ready for the experiential piece? I mean, no, I think that any anything that you're seeing of where you can get a brand in front of a consumer, there's not a, a, a startup brand. We work with several startups that, you know, this is their first foray, but like going to Expo West and, and giving a sample to someone is an experience, right? Like yeah, having, right. having that or um, any kind of loyalty program where you're really gifting those, those brand advocates and those brand ambassadors or influencer marketing, all of that is touching and inexperiential in its own way. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And I think um, we're at a new time where events are becoming more and more and more common, not only industry specific, but just in general, um, you know, entrepreneur and other groups of people there. I think COVID like shut us down so much. Like we're here for the event. We're here to be in person. We're here to experience things. I've even seen it grow into new ways to get business development, like new ways to get clients, right? You're bringing them to an event that an agency put on to show your capabilities through the event. And yes. there's so many unique, like I see that at, at big festivals like South by Southwest, companies are just having their own event to showcase their capabilities to potential new clients as a business development opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. That That's just that's our whole world at this moment in time, like in-person right. and in virtual events. It's, it's right. just exploding. Just your point about not, not wanting to be so tethered to our, our digital technology restaurants, there's restaurants that check your cell phone, just like schools do. It's like, you, you want that, you yeah. want to hear from a, a, a real person giving you the wine list or giving you the specials and having that. Yeah. Engagement. And yes. where technology comes into play is there's places and times for it. But I think it's that, that how do you still have human and socialization? Cause everyone's craving that. Oh, definitely. So you have loads of experience, years and years and years in marketing. Tell us about some of the early days and some of the struggles that you had bringing it, because I know for a fact, you didn't get where you're sitting right now without a whole lot of failure and a whole lot of mess ups and a whole lot of learning from that. Yes. Um, wow. Where do I start? I think that the biggest thing is the, the brain switch that when you're working as an employee to an owner, how, that is not, um, what, what goes on is you're now responsible for everything. So you, you can't just shut down, right? Like you can't yeah. just say, okay, I'm clocking out at five or someone else can pick this up because you are the pickup person. Right. You're it. <laughs> that was a shock because, you know, someone quits or leaves or, you know, all of these things. And so I think that switch in your brain of like, oh, there's no one else but me was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. I'm like, uh, and it's lonely. I think that's something no one 
shared or, or taught me of like how lonely it is because you can't go to your team and say, oh, we can't make payroll. Oh, like, right. <laughs> so those things are happening inside, but you have to show up like everything's great and taking out second mortgages to make that payroll. That's how that's just normal, right? Okay. Yeah, it's so, fine. I asked for this. Yeah. So I think some of those initial challenges that you didn't expect, um, or that kind of just had to change your brain, how to get through those was finding mentors and finding peer groups. And just, I, I can't stress the importance it is. And it was for me of like finding someone that either might be going through the same thing or can just be an outlet to talk Yes. And knowing that how to use mentors, I think was a big learning for me as well. Cause I always thought, oh, mentors are just like teachers. They're going to tell you what to do and help you be better. And, and recognizing that there's all types of mentors that can help in, in various ways. And some can really push you and get you out of your comfort zone and others are just support mechanism and others. Yeah. And you have to have two-way dialogue of like, this is what I really need from you. And that was hard as well of just being vulnerable and saying, I'm struggling. And, and that is, was once you, once I started doing those things, then things opened up where people were so willing to help. And I think that's another thing you always think, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a burden to them because being yeah. a woman, I'll just say our female, like we, we are conditioned to like solve everybody's problems. Yes. Not our own. And, and that was a big thing. Like even my own family, just the support that would come out of like, Oh, I didn't even know you knew like these were struggling, like hearing their, you know, whether that be cheering me on or, or just kind of being there in, in times of like how to get you through. I think knowing that you could be just sitting next to someone and they'd probably be willing to help you. Right. And, oh Yeah. Absolutely. And and then knowing how to flip that back. I think that was our big understanding of why we wanted to start the Enthuse Foundation and the nonprofit is we were fortunate to always have like a, a string or someone we could reach out to. And if we did, we they were so giving back with their time and advice and, and just creating that growth environment for us or me personally too. But that was one thing that was important of like, we had such great opportunities. We want to make sure that we're giving that back and paying that yes. forward. And so we yeah. started the Enthuse Foundation one year after the marketing agency. So Enthuse started in 2016 and then we opened or started the foundation in 2017. And it's all of those things I just said, career counseling, mentorship, guidance, business planning and just access to even investment. So we have a pitch night where we'll invest in a company and it's all great. There's grant money that sponsors give us, but then there's also just in-kind donation, what I'll say to our, our community. We don't take any kind of control of the company or ownership. It is truly a gift to wow. help spark their business to the next step. So, um, yeah. so tell us about that. You have an event coming up in November. Is that right? Yes. November 9th at the Helen Mills theater in New York city. We'll have five entrepreneurs that will be sharing their business plans. It's like shark tank esque where there's judges and questions. There's even an audience component. So if you attend, you can vote and, and be a part of it. There's a live stream as well. So um, it's one of our biggest highlights of the year. And 
just personally rewarding. Last year we had over 200 applicants. So all that down to five, our team of one does a lot of us. Yes. yes. So much. That's incredible though. 200 applicants to to narrow down to five and then five gets a pitch. Is that right? Right. Right. Five gets to go live. But the great thing is we, we want to make sure that it's not just a big show and then the it's over all 200 that apply can get put into the community and the community has events, webinars, um, in-person events around the country that our team hosts to ensure that we're still supporting whether you make it to the top five or not. It's not just like, now you got to go do it again for someone else. And we teach how to write your pitch and there's an entire, um, tool and suite of tools on our website um, at our uh, enthusefoundation.org that you can find all of these um, great content to help your business. Go over to enthuse marketing. What I'm sorry, enthusefoundation.org. Yes. Go there now. I can't tell you how valuable that would have been for me starting out. I mean, coming from a completely non-business ownership background to what we do now uh, or what I do now was so scary. And I know like you talked about the mentors and getting adjacency to that help. It's so hard to ask for that help whenever you're, you're just starting out and you're like, Oh, of course they wouldn't want to help me. They're, they're so far ahead. But I think it's important for people that are new to recognize that not only are those people who are quote unquote above you willing to help you, you have something to share with them that you don't even know yet. Like, yeah. And that's what's been so like joyful of the in foundation is watching the other founders help each other. So we yeah. become this platform, they jump on a Zoom and we'll have 20, 30 people on a call and one person will ask a question and it's just like, it's like spiral of content and valuable information to your point. Yes. I went through that and here's what I learned or I, oh, this is like, and then, and then it just, and so it's like, I smile. I'm like giddy thinking about it. Cause you watch it and you're just like mad. It's magic. Yes, and yes, you, yes. to your point, you just have to go there and and look at things and, and attend and be a part of it. And sometimes that is scary because you think, oh, they're so much farther along or they have, they have, you know, this and that. And to your point, I'm learning as much as they're learning from our team. Absolutely. And get it. If you haven't heard of a mastermind, get yourself into a mastermind group of people. Um, Our company Height sponsors a mastermind for other digital marketing agency owners or other digital style agency owners. And we sat in Dallas, Texas last week in a circle, about 30 of us. And I mean, from 1 million in revenue to, to people who, uh, John Maxwell is actually our mentor for the next two years in, they're having a meeting with him right now. (laughs) And, and, you know, we sat in a circle and shared, you know, in our biggest problem, what's our biggest problem right now. And we went around in the circle and shared whether we had experience, direct experience with that, knew someone who had experience with that, or if we had an idea surrounding that and everyone from top to bottom in that room shared like, Oh, I've been there before. I've done that thing. Here's exactly what you do. And they're so willing. I mean, there was one person that just handed over their SOP for, for a certain process that they had been doing for years and years. And that kind of, that will move you forward in business by years. I mean, that kind of collaboration is absolutely invaluable. A hundred percent. And it's just helping each other get to the next step. And I always say there's always a step, right? And Mm -hmm. 
getting there is seems insurmountable, but it's when you have a community like that, it just makes it so much easier. Yes. And if you're just starting out in business, it, it's easy to think like, okay, well, first of all, I'm not going to tell anybody about what I'm doing because right. I have to get it's, it all it's perfect. Your it's your secret. Yes, yes. Or, your or, or you're so competitive. You're like, this is mine. I, I'm in a marketing. I can be the only marketer in this town. There's not anyone else that will do social media. There's no one else that can build your website. And I have found, and, and that was my attitude at first as well. Like it's oh, all yeah. for me. But what I recognize is there is enormous amounts and potential success for everybody at the table and collaborating with one another has moved my business forward by leaps and bounds because so many clients that I get are not a good fit, either too much for what I don't want to do or not quite ready for us yet. And now I have this entire network of referral partners that we can work together and share information with. And that's right. the mindset shift that had to happen for me early on in business, recognizing that I got to talk about what I'm doing and I got to realize that I'm not anybody's competition, especially starting out. <laughs> right, right. Who can even find me? How can I be competitive? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, but that is a really good point. You do become so like, this is my special sauce and I can't let it out. And, um, but it's, it's been, the foundation itself has been super rewarding just to see these businesses start at one point when, you know, four years ago and see where they've grown today. We, we had one founder who was our winner of one of our competitions who then got sold and bought out. And now she's, she started her own consultancy business to help other entrepreneurs. And it was, I mean, it still has goosebumps on my arms. I'm like, that's why I'm reacting. Yes, she called and she goes, she goes, I'm just calling to give back because you guys gave so much to me. And I was like, that's what it's all about. That's what it's about. It's like synergy and reciprocity and all symbiosis and all those words that like, it really does work together. It all yeah. does. Yeah. And it, and it's like the, the best part is just hearing like your vision got realized. And so I just, that, that keeps you going and keeps you going in those moments of like, why did I do this? What's going on? Like the numbers yeah. might be there today, but um, in, in back to the question on learning though, I think hiring the team is really important too. I think very early on we, we hired anybody that would want to like do anything, right? Like yeah, you're exactly. go to the warehouse, you're going to be in front of a client, you're going to be writing a presentation. You're and and that generalization really, like we were honest with people. You're coming into a startup. It's not sunshine and roses and and now as we've grown, it's like, okay, layering in expertise has been challenging, right? Because it's like, well, I used to do all of this and now I need, but seeing the teams see the value in those experts that are coming in to like, oh, I don't have to do something I'm just good at. They're great at it. And yes. seeing, but it was hard. It was hard for us to like, how do you integrate these types, these new types of people that might have more experience in one thing with someone that's been here for 10 years and, and yeah. cross pollinating that, but it's really hiring the right people and the right people that are invested. But also when you're bringing in those experts to be like, you're coming into an organization that all these people have grown up here. You have to come in in the right way and, and really helping the, that grow together because it is a little bit of a, wait, are you taking my job? Are you taking my job? Wait, I know like 
So finding out a way to, to immerse the team, but I can't say enough about the people that we've had that have stayed with us through all of it. And just knowing that, cause every hire is like, a, you know, you're bringing them into the, the, into the, the family. Home. Like you're you're in the circle of trust now, right? Like as they're having growing families and getting married, you're like, oh, another mouth to feed. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. So how many team members are you, are you working with now? So at Enthuse Marketing, we have about 120 employees and at Inspira, uh, about 300. So about 420 altogether. Is that a combination of remote and in-person? Yes. Yes. Tell us about that because we, that was one of the biggest questions at our mastermind last week was how do I engage my remote team well enough? Um, and some of the answers were you've got to meet, you have to meet more often, at least quarterly, you have to bring them together, but there's always this rift between like, well, the homies, which we call the people that work from home, our homies, um, versus the people that come into the office, like, well, the people in the office have the stock fridge and they have this. And, and, you know, sometimes there's a riff on what certain people get and not. And so how have you navigated that in your businesses? You look like you've got like a constant. I will say I, in my career, I worked from home. I was a remote employee in a lot of my roles. So it helped me at least understand how disconnected I felt on things. So I think flipping it now, like I come in the office and I know what it's like to be on that. It's communication. I mean, you have to put communication at the very top and also build it out this way. And when I say that, I like, we have today in our office, we had lunch for everyone, right? So everybody that was here. So I have to make sure that does not go out to the whole staff of the office. Right. Make sure. And so then it's like, okay, well, how does that perk translate then to the field and in remote staff? Okay. Mm-hmm. They get a stipend of, they can buy lunch, like, but you're, every time we make a decision, it's almost like, how does that impact everybody? And then is this decision going to create this disconnect amongst, to to your point, the people? And so how do you make it fair and equitable? So every time we do any kind of perk, it's looked at from both sides of like, does it feel superiority or does it feel, and and it's interesting that sometimes it goes the opposite way. The the, mm-hmm. the remote staff get thing, all the perks and the, the people coming into the office don't and, and it's vice versa. Yeah. But it's almost like creating a scorecard like that of what, what's the impact, who's it going to impact most, and then communicating it, like why we do it. Why do we, so we have a, an annual team meeting where all 400 people get, you know, come to this meeting and it's not mm-hmm. all in person. And what we did last year was this hybrid approach where we had part of the office was in person and part was on the phone. And we thought we had it all figured out. We have the technology, we have these great video and we recognized how horrible that experience was for those calling in. And so this year it's going to all be remote for that first part and just ensure that everybody's getting the same experience. So it's not like if you're in the room, you're seeing something or you're getting like favoritism or anything, but there are going to be mistakes. And I don't think there's a, there's not a quick answer or fix to everything. But to me, the most important part is communication, ensuring people know what you're doing and why, and leadership has to 
if I see you every day, you're not less, you're not more important than the person I might only see on zoom and just putting our leadership hats on of like every single person has to understand the relationship to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And their contributions. We do, we do have a town, well, I don't call it a town hall. It's a weekly kind of what we call a um, status meeting of the whole company calls in. So it's all hands mm-hmm. meeting and shout outs. Like everybody's giving shout outs. Everybody's talking in the chat. So it doesn't feel like if you're not in the room, you're missing yeah. out getting recognized, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I know our, our Slack channel, especially the wins channel is very busy and it's amazing how good just a little celebratory emoji can feel when someone (laughs) shares a win. Like it's, you know, you, it, it helps to foster that sense of community when we have an international team that could be anywhere on the globe at any given time. Um, it really does help. It's, it's one piece that does help. Yeah. And then we have an employee engagement platform called Standout and Standout is it's, it's put uh, put through, through our payroll company, but what it does is it allows you as an individual to take what I call the modern Myers-Briggs. It puts nine different strength roles. Okay. So when it, when you fill out the assessment, it tells you like what you are in terms of the nine different strength roles. And it's accurate. Just like you read, you're like, you're reading this book about yourself. And what the standout platform does is it allows you to have engagement across the entire population with people that might be like roles like you. Mm. It shows you who your team's made of and everybody checks in every single week. So managers have this like pulse on, I gave Kim a project and she really hated it and because it's love and loathe. So it's really extreme. What did you love about this week? What did you loathe about this week? And mm. it connects those those, I'll say temperature all the time. So we used to say sending out an employee survey once a quarter gave us the temperature check of how people were, but that's backward looking. This is like a movie. You're like in it all the time. And I can go in and see like, what's the today's temperature. And Mm. you can see where your team is moving towards. And it's incredible when you have data from pre-pandemic to during pandemic to post-pandemic, ah. you could see how things shifted in the organization and, and what it, ours was like the same throughout, which I thought was really Wow. Cool. That's very impressive. That's incredible to get that temperature check every single week. I know feedback is something that we've been talking about. It seems to be like um, a, a buzzword here lately, but um, actually asking for that feedback, like, what do you like about me as a boss? What do you not like? Where can I improve? What do you not like about me as a boss? And that has translated to every area of my life. Now I find myself asking my teenager, like, what do you like about me as a mom? Yes. What, do, what can I do better at? What, what do you not like about me as a mom? And man, having the stomach to stand there and, and take that it's so hard at first, but when you practice it more and more, boy, you really get some valuable information on how you can proceed in a more effective way. Absolutely. And a blind spot, right? Yeah. We can't see ourselves like other people can see us. That's for sure. No. And especially when it's coming from your own child. I know when I asked my child that it's like, Ooh, we better get ready. A notebook. Yeah. Yeah. So about kids, tell us about your family. How have you navigated this impactful career managing 400 team members? And you obviously have a family as well. 
Yes. I have one daughter who's 18. She just went off to college this year. So I'm still, you know, um, in the shadows of that. <laughs> Far away or close to home? She is in Charleston, South Carolina. So oh, how beautiful. Not just, she's not just a drive away, but um, oh. she's going there this weekend. So I'm excited to see her. But I think what it was, it's like grown and flown, right? Like you, you just let them fly and it's like letting the bird out of the nest kind of mentality. And it's been so rewarding to see her take, well, I shouldn't say see her because I haven't personally seen her yet, but just on calls and, and FaceTime of just seeing new friends and just seeing her personality just gets stronger confidence getting strong. Like it's, it's great. So I'm so so proud of, yes, but Back to the original question of how to do it. I I worked from home. So when she was very little, she, it was like, how do you manage? I would, you know, I would set up my day. And I tell people this all the time. Act like you're going to an office. <laughs> Put everything yeah. around you as if like there's doors, there's like, there's a separated desk because otherwise your work is always on. Mm-hmm. And I think she has she saw me always be like work mom or work, work Kim and mom Kim. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and so it was that you have to turn it on and off and it's okay. If that's not a typical nine to five, yeah. I would, I would Friday mornings. She went to a Catholic school. I would go to church with her. I would volunteer at the playground. And I made those as like agenda meetings in my calendar so that yes. no one could schedule a meeting. Then they knew that that's what I was doing. And then when she came home from school, I blocked off a couple of hours to just be there for homework, snacks, like friend groups, but just making sure that that time you, you gave yourself that ability. And then, yeah, yeah. I'd on at 10 in, at night, but that was the schedule I created for myself to make sure that I could be the pockets of time when I needed to be mom versus work. And I think it's not a good idea to be on your phone and checking emails when you're having dinner with your family. It's like, you need to shut that off and, and compartmentalize it. And I think that is, like I said, I, I was doing that well before remote work. Yeah. I think it was easy to, to share those learnings. And then I I just call it, it, there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's integration. You have to into your life. I I would leave at two o'clock every day and go pick her up from school and drop her off at home. We'd have like, sometimes she'd come to the office with me, but you have to let them see that that's how life is. Because if you're trying to like, in your mind, think that something's going to be perfectly balanced. It's, it's just never going to happen. No, there's no balance. It's just a life. You don't have a work and a, and a home life. You just have a life and you have to, you get to live it on your terms, especially as an entrepreneur business owner. Like, like you said, some things might be happening at 10 o'clock after the kids are in bed, but at two o'clock, by God, I'm going to be there to pick them up because I'm still mom and I'm also a business owner and some things might have to happen later. Uh, But it's the life we get to choose and create. I think so many people just respond, especially when we're in a nine to five type situation, you just respond to your life. But as a business owner, you have to be a lot more proactive about no one's telling you what and when and where to do. You have to do that on your own and make it work for you and not be guilty by, you know, by guilted about what other people are doing. It's all, it's different for everyone. 
and making it okay for our team and our people that work with us to understand that that's okay too, of like, Hey, yes. doctor's appointment for my two children. And, and knowing that that's, that's just life to your point. That's yeah. okay. No one should feel guilty about those things. Mm-hmm. It's outcome-based. You know, I, even my team, I tell them, I don't care if you put in t- 20 hours or 60 hours, what is the outcome? It, what yeah. is the outcome for the business and your work? And what is the outcome for your life? Are you still happy? Are you still thriving? And it, or is this working for you? And in, like you said, I love that word integrated into your life. Right. Yeah. Um, because you just live. <laughs> yeah. You just have to live <laughs> as hard as that is from day to day sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. This time has gone by so quick. Tell us, I have a couple more questions for you. Okay. Um, tell us what queen leadership looks like to you? Queen leadership to me is about being genuine and authentic. I think that oftentimes we feel we have to be a certain way because we have that Mm -hmm. title. And I think showing your vulnerable, showing your human and just Mm -hmm. being okay with that is the most important quality. And I say, that's how you be a queen every day is like, you, you don't have to show up with a gown and perfect hair and makeup. You just have that's to right. show up as you. Well, and I think- there's the mic drop, mic drop moment for Kim. That's it. I have my tiny mic. And my guest yesterday <laughs> said, I was really actually expecting you to be wearing a crown. And I was like, crap, I need to buy an Amazon crown now. And whenever the guest says something very queenly, I'll, I'll place it upon the head. Yes. Yes. I I just, it's so great. And, and your team, I, what I've seen and and grown with, with the, with the company as, as the company has grown and more and more people, you get farther and farther away. Right. And so when you're out with a team, it's just like, Hey, I got my car towed yesterday or, you know, just be real what's (laughs) happening in your life. And it's like that they're like, Oh, really? Like you're, you're just a normal person. And I'm just like, yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Being that, that vulnerable telling I get all the time, Amy, you're so fearless. You're so, no, I'm not. I am terrified all the freaking time. Are you joking me? This is scary. It's hard. Everything we're doing is hard and it's all uphill. And so being vulnerable, the fact that, you know, like, I'm not always going to have these red lips on. (laughs) I'm not always going to, sometimes it's going to be a bun and you're going to see it. And I'm very sorry for that, but this is life. Yes. Yes. Is there anything and being okay. And that's okay. I love uh, Hormozy's line and that's a comment. And that's okay. Comment. And that's okay. It's all okay. Um, is there a question that I didn't ask you that I, you wish I would have asked you? Let me see. No, you went through a lot. <laughs> you went through a lot. It's been it was so much fun. I love, awesome. I love talking about entrepreneurship and just everything that that's rolled up. But I, like I said, my biggest advice is just t- talk, talk to people, ask questions. And, and it, to your point, it's okay if you don't know the answer. That's right. Yeah. Be willing to be the dumbest person in the room. I've learned so much by raising my hand and being willing to ask the question that probably you think, well, everyone else, a lot of times you think, well, everyone else already knows the answer to this, but the the truth is they don't. And if you have that question, put your hand up, man, ask, and people will be very happy that you did because it'll help move everyone forward. Um, So tell us one more time, um, if, if someone has a product and they are needing an experiential 
marketer to come and help them. How do they connect? And then remind us all again about the dates for this um, and who is the right fit to apply for your entrepreneurship uh, program. Absolutely. So to find our agency, it's enthuse-marketing.com. That's the agency. And we would be more than willing to talk to you about whatever your business challenge is in, in any of in any capacity. And then our foundation that is for women entrepreneurs, that is you have to be 51% owned by a woman. So you have to have leadership as well as ownership. And then we have um, a revenue target. Your revenue has to be under 500,000 and you can apply to, you have to have a product. So a service business does not qualify, but you have, if you have a CPG product, a beauty product, any kind of thing that a consumer can buy, that's what we're looking for. And the date for applications is coming up in the event. The date for applications is October 2nd. That's when they open or yes. close? That's when they close. Oh, okay. So get it in quick. Yes, exactly. And then the event is November 9th. November 9th. All right. In New York City. New oh my York. gosh. I'm going to have to go look up some more information about just being an attendee because I need to get to New York right. anyway. I have a lot of female entrepreneurs that might be interested in having a little girls trip. Maybe we can come and meet. That would be amazing. Like and we also have a marketplace of all our past contestants. So the oh, hour, how great. hour ahead, we're showcasing all of our past contestants and all of their products. That's fantastic. What a better place to go and support local, local female owned businesses than to go and check out who's been a participant in your program before. That's fantastic. And that you can find all that information on enthusefoundation.org. EnthuseFoundation.org to apply for the um, for this program and enthuse-marketing.com to connect. And I'm only giggling because my first agency was newleaf-marketing.com. And oh my gosh, what a pain to have to, oh, I was so frustrated with myself. <laughs> the dash, why did I do that? I didn't know anything. Ugh. It, it was, it was a pain, but yeah. yeah. Enthuse-marketing.com. Thank you, Kim Lawton, for being my guest. You are fantastic. And thank you for being a queen that leads. Thank you. The Queen's Lead podcast is recorded worldwide and produced by the kick-ass media team at the Height Digital home base in Nicaragua. Until our next episode, stay real queens and go lead. Remember to tap that follow and leave your review. For freebies and more real, inspiring content you love, go to amysingleton.net and connect with Amy on our socials at The Real Amy Singleton. One more thing. This is the legal language, what my lawyer wrote and what I need to read to you. This podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only. I am Amy Singleton, and I'm just your friend. Although I may speak to many on this show, I am not a psychotherapist, a business coach, a doctor, a CPA, a lawyer, or probably anyone who should be giving you professional advice. This podcast is not a substitute for a relationship with your doctor, coach, or any other licensed professional. Got it? Good. Now go be a queen and follow me at The Real Amy Singleton.